Such a joy to be here with you this morning, especially after a week of spring weather. I heard they call that full spring, and I thought, well, you can call me a fool all you want if you want to give me that weather. I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. it. It's great to have you here this morning. Uh, we are wrapping up the series that we've been doing since the beginning of the year, New Beginnings. We've been talking about embracing uh, things like spiritual growth, having a personal growth plan, uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, embracing community and, and, and fellowship, and embracing evangelism and discipleship as we looked at last week. And the, the real emphasis is this, is that in order for us to grow, we've got to change. The change is, is a part of growth. And, and you know, that's, that's an interesting thing because 85% of our culture doesn't like change. And the 15% of us that do, I'm part of that 15%, only when I initiate it. So change is a difficult thing, and yet to grow, we've got to change. I was thinking about a, a caterpillar, you know, metamorphosed into a butterfly, and just a profound change that in order for this caterpillar to become this beautiful butterfly, it, it's got it's to go through this transformation process, this, this growth process, and yet the, the end result is just so spectacular. And, and that idea of metamorphosis is, is actually in Scripture. Romans 12, 2. Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That word transformed actually comes from the Greek word metamorphos, meta meaning radical and morph meaning change. So transformation then is a, is a radical change. That as we give ourselves to the Lord, as we commit ourselves to the things of Christ, that he transforms us into the very image of our Lord. And so we're called, really, to leave behind our old life and to embrace this new life that we have in Christ. And, and that means embracing change. And so as we conclude this series, I want to look at embracing God's word. You may be thinking, why didn't you start with that? Because <laughs> it's so central. Well, because I wanted to end with it. <laughs> I want us to understand that everything that we do needs to be in alignment with the word of God. And so it, 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 it's our standard, if you will. And we'll talk about that a little more in, in just a moment. But as believers, we must receive scripture as God intends and dedicate ourselves to mastering it as we allow it to master us through the leading of the Holy Spirit and receive it as God intends. You know, the Bible is not a great divine suggestion book. It's not simply one perspective among many. It's absolute truth. And we live in a culture that says there is no absolute truth. You have your truth, I have my truth. But here's the reality. I don't want to live by your truth, and I don't want to live by my truth. I want to live by God's truth, because his truth is true truth. Say that. Amen. Someone says, say that again. No, I made it once. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> it, it's true truth. And, and, and so that's what we want to talk about together. Scripture gives us guidance, wisdom, spiritual nourishment. Of course, it teaches us about faith and morality and the very character of God. What we truly know about God specifically, we know through his word. 
I mean, we can learn things about God by, by looking at humanity and looking at his creation, but to specifically know who God is and who we are, why he created us, we find that through his word. And the Holy Spirit has a very important role. The Holy Spirit's role is to help us understand and apply the scriptures. And so when I think about the importance of the Holy Spirit guiding us in this process, and by the way, God is a gentleman. He does not force himself upon us. And so if we do not want him to lead us through scripture, guess what he will not do? And so we want to invite him as we approach God's word to do the work that the Holy Spirit does. And so for me, for instance, when I approach God's word, I often pray a prayer, not just exact prayer, but a prayer like this one. It's, Lord, help me understand what I'm about to read. Simple enough, right? Ever been there when you've read something and went, what is that? I want to learn what scripture teaches about you, myself, and others. It's just being seeing where there's a command to follow, a promise to claim, a sin to avoid. Lead me to understand what you would want me to do as a result of this reading. In other words, we don't just read scripture to read it. We read it to grow. We read it to walk in the way of God. So teach me what I should do as a result of this reading and how I can share the truths that lie within with others. So that as I seek to master God's word, catch this. As I seek to master God's word, God's word masters me. That's my prayer as I approach God's word. And here's the good news. We can embrace God's word with the help of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Like with the help of the Holy Spirit. I've had people say, I I don't know if I can comprehend this. I know you can. And they go, how do you know? Because with the help of the Holy Spirit, God spoke the world into existence. He can certainly help us understand the word he's given to us. Do you believe that this morning? Like what God has done is quite amazing with giving us his word. Because when we engage in scripture, the spirit mentors us. We're mentored by God. We're mentored by people like Moses, David, Abraham, Paul. Some of my greatest mentors come from scripture. I've never met them, but I get to be mentored by by the things they've done. But I go, man, that's something to follow. Things they've done that I go, I don't want to do that. That's not good. Principles all throughout scripture. You've heard me say this if you've been around here, but people ask me, do you hear from God? I go every single day when I'm in the word. Every single day, God speaks to me through his word. And the spirit is so faithful to do what the spirit does. We discovered this in in 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 through 17. It speaks of the origin of scripture and its purpose. All scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That, that, uh, that part of that passage that says that, that all scriptures breathed out by God literally means that it's inspired by God, that God inspired it. It's his word, his word for us. Notice its usefulness. The purpose of scripture is to treat, teach us true doctrine, teach us about the, the sound God-given truths within the word, to correct false beliefs, to teach us what we ought to do as well as what we ought not to do. I've had people say to me, I don't like the Bible. It has a lot of don'ts in it. I said, well, it has a lot of do's too. But, but they're there for our benefit. It's interesting to me that we would ever think to live contrary to God's word would somehow help us flourish. 
when God's path is a pathway of flourishing, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. That's the life he promises us as we walk with him. So consequently, we can embrace God's word with the help of the Holy Spirit, learning how to live according to his purpose, learning how to live according to his purpose. If we believe that God created us, that he created us with a purpose, and when we live outside of that purpose, we understand things just don't work real well. I often think of it this way because I'm not a very craftsman type person. And so sometimes I've used things other than hammers to, to bang things, you know? And, and so there's a nail, I'm like, I don't have a hammer. So there's a screwdriver, that'll work. Have you ever, anyone else ever done that? Come on. Okay, all three of us. Okay. You know, my father-in-law is a craftsman. He goes, why don't you just go get a hammer? And I'm like, did you give me a hammer? Because all my tools came from him. He goes, yeah, there's one out there, right? You know what's interesting? When you, when you hit a nail with a hammer, what's purpose is for that, it is much easier. And why do we try to do things our own way and then blame God for the difficulties we're facing? The world has difficulties, but let me tell you something. You walk according to his purpose. You have a confidence you don't have when you walk according to yours, unless your purpose is his purpose for you. Come on, church, Amen. So when I look at the Bible, I see this sort of a, a divine blueprint. I think of a divine blueprint for a flourishing garden, and each, each verse is a seed that, when planted into the fertile soil of our heart, grows into a vibrant expression of who God has created us to be. God's word is transformative. It has transformative power in the life of a believer. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. I love that. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I mean, think about it. The word of God is living. It's effective. It accomplishes God's purpose. I mean, that's a powerful imagery there. Would you agree? That God's word penetrates the deepest part of our human soul. And I think that's sometimes why we find it difficult. Because we read it and sometimes we have those holy ouch moments. You know, it's penetrating our soul. It's revealing some things. And maybe we don't like that. But, but if we understand that God's purpose is, is that we glorify him and in glorifying him, we're blessed and able to bless others. And we don't have to fear those holy ouch moments. We should embrace them. We should understand that when God is, what God is doing is, is a work within the deepest parts of who we are. That when the spirit is given freedom to work in conjunction with the word of God in our life, that the supernatural work of transforming us in the image of Christ occurs. And by the way, we benefit and the people around us benefit when we're transformed into the image of Christ. Isn't that true? Like if we were all on this journey, the world would look entirely different. I believe that. How about you? So it starts with me. And then it spills out into my home, it spills out into the places where we work and go to school and throughout the places where we play. So as we embrace God's word with the help of the Holy Spirit, we learn how to live according to God's purpose and be transformed into an ever-increasing image of Christ. I really see the, the word of God as a sculptor's chisel. And God is the master craftsman. And he's chipping away at me to create and reveal the, the, the masterpiece that he's created within me and you. We're God's masterpieces. Now, by the way, don't walk away around and just telling people that, you know? 
hey, you're meeting one of God's masterpieces today. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It'll change the way you walk through life if you believe what the word says about you. You say, well, masterpiece, that just seems so big. I, I thought I'm supposed to be humble. We are supposed to be humble because we're not his masterpiece because of us. We're, his, we're a masterpiece because of him. It's the value he's placed upon us. He gave his one and only son to die for us. That's the price. There's no greater price anyone could ever pay than that. That's how much you're worth in the eyes of God. Now, let me say this. It's also how much the person sitting next to you is worth in the eyes of God. Changes the way we think about people, doesn't it? Like there's a reality, but we may say, hey, that person's super annoying, but man, they're a masterpiece. (laughs) I better treat them better than I'm thinking right now. Amen, church. Holy ouch. (laughs) Think about it. As we engage with scripture, it becomes God's primary tool. And it's his primary tool of transforming us. Of really carving away the imperfections and molding us into the ever ever and greater reflection of Christ's character and love. Now we understand that there's obstacles, right? In getting into God's word. There's obstacles, and just to name a few, there's the busyness of life. Anyone ever been so busy? They, they want to be in the Word, but I just don't have enough time. Let me just say this as gently as possible, and I'm speaking to myself too. We make time for the things that are important to us. We really do. You say, well, you don't know my schedule. No, but I, I, I know how, what it is to be busy. <laughs> I know what it is to be busy. In fact, dare I say that the busier we are, the more time we probably need to spend in God's Word. Because our reaction time needs to be sharper. Think about it. If you were driving five miles an hour, five, which by the way, the other day I was following someone on 20 going five, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. You all know the reason I don't have the little ichthys in the back of my truck to fish is because I don't want people to think I'm a Christian when I'm driving. It's the time that challenges me the most. I'm still growing. But their reaction time didn't need to, doesn't need to be that big when it's five miles an hour. But if you're, if you're going 60, you better have some good reaction time, right? You better be on top of it. So the busier we are, the more we should be in God's word. There's outside influences. Let's face it, the world of flesh and the devil is always pulling away from us doing the things of Christ. And so it doesn't surprise me that one of the biggest attacks that a new believer, for instance, will get, but it's consistent throughout a believer's life, is, well, you don't have time for the word. Just go on. You've read it yesterday. It's okay. Don't read it today. Don't be so legalistic. You don't need to be in the word every day. I don't know what needs about there, but I'll tell you what, I'm blessed when I am. I am a personal legalist, by the way. I'm not a legalist in the way I judge others, but I I am very structured in the things that I do because I understand the business of life will take over if I don't take over. Come on now. Lack of community. It's amazing to me, the people who say, you know what, I love Jesus. I I just don't need church. And I go, well, that's funny because the word of God says you do. There's accountability when around other believers. There's encouragement when around other believers. It's powerful to have believers speaking into our life. And, and I'll tell you what, when I hear someone share what God's taught them in the word, 
I, I have to admit, I'm a little competitive and it may be a little unhealthy, but I go, man, Lord, I'm going to get in the word. I want, I want you to teach me something new today too. I want to grow too. How do we overcome these obstacles? Well, then we cultivate a strong spiritual foundation. We, we do spend time praying and studying God's word and setting aside time for our spiritual growth. We have a plan. Many of the things that we've talked about throughout this series. See, the Bible, the Bible serves as a guiding lens through which we assess and make sense of various aspects of life, offering a moral and spiritual perspective. Now, here's the reality. Most people who claim to be Christian are not in the word regularly. Like, that's not a good stat, right? It means they're not experiencing God on a daily basis, but what it also means is, is that they're not having God form within them a proper lens to look at the world. And so if we're going to speak as Christians, those who are following Christ, we should probably have the right lens to speak to those things, right? Sometimes we can find ourselves not just saying the right thing, but saying the right thing the wrong way. And and when we're in the word, the, the chance of us being transformed into the character of Christ and speaking the truth in love instead of just speaking the truth. Or thinking about just being loving, but not speaking the truth is okay. Both of those are are, are errors, church. We should speak the truth in love. Not avoid one for the other. And certainly not avoid either of them. Getting quiet on me this morning. There's a powerful passage from Psalm 1. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Catch this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. How many of you want that description in your life? I mean, that, that is an amazing metaphor when you think about it. That this, this tree planted by, by, by streams of water, and, and of course, it's, it's symbolizing what? Spiritual vitality and sustained growth. And I look at that, and I realize that, that we can embrace God's word. We can embrace God's word with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can learn to live according to God's purpose. And he's trans, as he transforms us into an ever greater image of Christ as we flourish in him. Flourish, I love that word, flourish. Flourish in him. What God has really done is take these divine truths off the top shelf where we can't reach them. And through his divine love, placed them on the bottom shelf where we can get to those through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. God has done that because he loves us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to make him known. Now, let me say this. We'll never master God's word on this side of paradise. It's a lifelong journey of growth and exploration where more and more of God's word masters us. I have people who ask me, they'll say, you know, wow, you've been studying the word for so long, you probably know it all. (laughs) Not quite. I know more of it than I did a year ago. You know, my personal practice now for, for many years has been using the same method that many of us are using studying the New Testament this year, the SOAP method. And I just simply read through scripture every year. And people say, well, is that enough? I don't know how to answer that. 
It's more than enough. And I said, doesn't it get redundant? And I go, no, it really doesn't because things change in my life. And so as I'm reading the word, the spirit will bring a truth out that, that applies to my specific situation today that I may not have went through last year or a year before. And by the way, there are many lessons in the word I need to relearn. Have you found that to be true? I have a friend uh, from Wisconsin who calls it the law of the auger. They do a lot of ice fishing up there. I did not when I was there. But uh, the auger goes deeper and deeper. And it, it's not that you get deeper truths. It's that those lessons become deep, more deeply implanted into your soul as you learn them and, and practice them and apply them. And by the way, it's not just about reading the word. It's about reading it and applying it. You know, it's not, just a, it's not just a reading of the word. It's a doing of it that makes it a reality in our life. The fruit of scripture-driven life is, is really a spiritual growth, a maturity that impacts relationships, character, our entire lives. Imagine a, a well-tended garden where each plant is nourished with the purest water, the best sunlight. The scripture-driven life is like that for us. And the fruit is things like patience and kindness and wisdom and power. I mean, just think about it. The more one immerses oneself in the teachings of Scripture, the richer and more abundant the harvest of virtues becomes in one's life. I, I can't speak enough about God's word and the power it has for us. I can't encourage you enough to say, get into it for yourself. Learn how to study and apply it. Get in a connect group that's going through the New Testament this year. Pick up a reading guide as you head out. Dig in. I dip, triple dog dare you. Dig in. See what God has for you. My journey is an interesting journey. I, I, I was sort of a, a slow adapter of reading. Um, I, I, I went through school in a time where you knew which, which sort of group you were a part of. They try to hide that now. Um, they tried to hide it then. They did it by colors. I was in the purple group, which meant I was in the purple group, right? Except it was really obvious. There was four groups to go, okay, they read much better than me. They read a little better than me. I read a little better than them. So I was not in the bottom group, but I was in the third group. That was clear. And I, had, I really was late at this reading thing, had difficulties reading. In fact, I have some dyslexia that runs through the family. I feel I probably have a mild case of that. Uh, and so back then, they didn't diagnose it. They just said he's a poor reader. <laughs> and they worked with me. They worked with me. I, I can remember uh, uh, my parents telling me the story of how they went in uh, in my sixth grade year. So I was still having a difficulty reading. And they went into my reading teacher and they said, he'll get it. He'll get it. Don't give up on him. He'll get it. Just let him read whatever he wants. Like, like get him what he wants to read and let him get into it. Because I don't think he's enjoying any of the stuff that we're giving him. And I wasn't. I don't like any of them. And so I, I liked martial art magazines. And so at sixth grade, my parents got me martial art magazines. I dug into them, right? And I started to read. I'd heard many Bible stories up to that point through Sunday school. I had a Bible. In fact, when I came to Christ at, at age five, they gave me a Bible. And I was a, not even able to read then. They gave me a King James version. <laughs> I still can't read that one. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it's in my office. It's like perfect condition. <laughs> Don't send me notes. Send them to Pastor Betty. She reads them for me. <laughs> But I remember in middle school, uh, a pastor named Don Bragg, 
who said, you know, you need to pick a Bible that you can read and understand. And he took me to what was known as a bookstore. For those of you younger, it was an actual whole store full of books. <laughs> and, and he had all these Bibles and he put them on this big table for me. And he said, let's look through them. And you pick the one that, that sort of connects most with you. And so I found a version that I was understanding. And I said, I want to use this one. And he bought it for me. Bought my second Bible. The one I've been, I read. <laughs> and, 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 and it really changed my life. And I began to, to really dig into it. And later in high school, someone said, you know, it's not just about reading it, it's about studying it. You might want to take a few notes. In fact, I remember I was in a church service and, and, and the pastor said, you might want to underline that. And I'll be honest with you, I thought if I underlined my Bible, I'd be struck dead. <laughs> and, and my friend next to me, Fran said, are you going to underline that? And I said, no, I can't. And she thought I meant I can't. And she leaned over and underlined it for me. And I remember going, oh. and nothing happened to her. And so I began to highlight and underline my Bible. The study of scripture actually improved my reading. When I got to high school my freshman year, I remember I was called down to the principal's office, which really scared me. I was trying to think, what did I do? And I came in and they gave an award the freshman year for the best in a unit of, of Shakespeare. And he handed it to me. And I thought, certainly he has the wrong person. <laughs> but I got it. I realized I love Shakespeare, which means I really can read the King James Version if I want to. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> that, that same thing I learned from Don Bragg, I do, I do it with each one of my kids. When they got in high school, I took them when I got to a certain age and, and would take them to a bookstore. One, I, the youngest, I had to find one. And, and, and I put all the translations in front of them because, you know, as English speakers, we're pretty blessed in this country to, to, to be able to have so many different translations. People say, what's the best translation? The one you like and you'll read. It's King James, go for it. It's NIV, go for it. It's ESV, go for it. You go, what are all those? Go to a bookstore, put them all out, and you'll see all these different translations. So each one, interesting enough, two of them picked the same translation. One picked a different translation. And I said to him, you don't even have to stick with it. I haven't. I haven't, as I've engaged others. I have in my office uh, one Bible that has four different translations. I have two of them like that. And sometimes I just read. I, go, I read something. I go, man, I want to read that and see what it says in another. Not because it's different. It's just worded differently. The point isn't changed. It's just the interpretation of doesn't change. It's just the wording changes. The translation changes. I, I, let me share, it's not to be a labor of the point, but, but maybe you're sitting here like me and you're like, man, I'm still, by the way, a slow reader. I comprehend a lot of what I read, but I'm slow. Like, like the whole tortoise thing is me when I read. Slow and steady wins the race. And so I have friends who can read through a book in a week and it may take me a month or more, but I remember it. It's <laughs> the way God's wired me. I had a lady in, in my church family up in Wisconsin, and, and she couldn't read hardly at all, and she was an adult and really was, was somewhat illiterate. And she came up to me and said, what am I going to do? I can't read. And, and back then, by the way, if you're younger, there are things called cassettes. And I said, why don't you get the Bible on tape? And she literally said, does that count? And I said, yeah, it counts. And she got the Bible on tape, and she began to, to read along with the tape. And I remember the Sunday she came in with a big smile on her face. She goes, you won't, won't believe what happened in small group last week. I said, what happened? She said, they asked, would anyone read the scripture? And guess who read it? She learned how to read 
through the Bible on tape. I have an app on my phone. By the way, my, the primary Bible I read is on my phone. So if you're one of those people, I'm one of you. You know, stand tall and proud. Got many translations on my phone, by the way. But the one I have, it, it even has a thing you can hit, and it will read it for you. Get in the Word. No excuse. No excuse. Get in the Word. And why would you want to make an excuse? It'll transform your life. It's God's Word. Powerful. Powerful. And we get to get it. We get to get it. Let's pray to that end. Father God, we understand all the obstacles before us. I've had people say to me, I don't, I don't like to read. Do you at least like to listen? Lord, make us people of your word. Make us people of your word. Who as we're seeking to master it, that your spirit uses it to master us. That we grow into a greater image of Christ. What a blessing it is to have the Bible, these 66 books that reveal who you are, who we are, our purpose, how to live the abundant life. So many people look at the Bible and they see it as like, a, like chains, you know, that are somehow going to keep them from being able to, to go about and flourishing in life. And yet we realize those of us who have come to know you and are walking with you, that the Bible brings freedom. That with, when we live within the standards of God's word, we live as free people, empowered people. Firmly in your grip. God, make us people of your word. And Lord, I just pray that if someone this morning is yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, that even at this moment, they would say yes to you. Lord, thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for being resurrected for our salvation. Thank you for the gift of your spirit that reveals the truth of your word to us, then empowers us to walk in that truth. Oh, Lord God, would you transform me? Would you transform us? Would you transform our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our community, our region for you? Seems like a big prayer, but it's not a big prayer when we pray to such an amazingly big God. Would you have your way? Would you surprise us, Lord God, by your goodness? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.